Welcome to the Praise Down. Good evening, or whatever time it is when you're listening to this. Uh, it's the Praise Down, the only podcast about Christian music. Yep, we're the only one. No one else yeah. is doing it. Yeah, no one's no one's gotten proud to be here yet. So yep. it's it's good to be the first. It's good to plant the flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first and like only. A, do you feel like a billionaire that just flew to space or something like that? I do feel that way. Yeah, I, I can't speak for Heath, but <laughs> yeah, I just got back from space, sort of in my mind. Yeah. Cool. Every time I record this, every time we record, it's like being a billionaire and going to space. That's how I would describe. I would also describe listening to the podcast that way. A lot of people yeah. have come up to me and, and said uh, things along similar lines. We uh, le- Let's get it right out of the way and introduce our guest here. We have a, uh, a sort of a, uh, a drummer, multi-instrumentalist, a, uh, a brand rep for Ableton, brand manager for Ableton, uh, local musician, uh, jack of all trades. Dustin Ragland is here with us. Hello, Dustin. Well, hello. I'm joining you from uh, sunny, sunny slash rainy, actually, Atlanta, where my family just moved like two weeks ago. So, oh I, no way! Yeah. If I just like kind of like walk off screen or or, or pass out or something like that, it's just mm-hmm. because of the past month and or two months of, of craziness of, of relocating from Oklahoma, where we grew up in Oklahoma City area since i was a kid i've lived in nashville a really short time when i was really little but other than that i've been in oklahoma city or around abouts there uh, my whole life so it's yeah it's kind of wild yeah i appreciate you taking the time out to uh to to do this after your hectic month i almost described you as local i guess i still can for another like year what's the yeah i don't know what the statute of localizations is um but you know i mean yeah i think that you i think you the it it renews every year your local status and yeah it just expires (laughs) okay so one year from today you won't be so uh, local musician sure i have a properly folded oklahoma flag like right here that i have to put up somewhere so it's like you know i'll keep that local as i can so we'll see good Sounds like just, you're doing a great job. We're trying. <laughs> I saluted it involuntarily and had to sort of Dr. Strange love my hand down. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so I, I think we should just uh, get into it. Dustin, you've never done the show before. That's true. Uh, I've listened to, I mean, you know, a long time lurker. So uh, right. I don't know what kind of skills that gives me, but probably none. So you just guide me through like Virgil guiding Dante through the inferno exactly I'll, I'll, I'll do my best i haven't played that video game but <laughs> it's time to talk the walk dustin Dust- dustin 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 nope you got it how's your walk <laughs> you know how's my walk you know I, I it's been so many years since i've heard i've heard that that uh that question you know yeah um yeah no it's it's good it's uh it's one where it's always it's always windy i'm thinking about windy roads because we moved to this city that has like 
20 streets that all are called Peachtree. And so things are nice and orderly, you know, the first part of your life, the first part of your walk, you, you figure out the grid you're going to go on and you go that mm-hmm. way. And every mile there's a major street and north goes north and south, you know. And then later in life, it gets a little windy and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know which Peachtree Road Street Boulevard Circle Parkway is going to go, where it's going to take me next. So, yeah. Yeah, well said. So did, so did you... you- yeah, you should, you do it. Did you grow up in the church? <laughs> I we did, were about yeah. to ask the same question. Yeah, no, no yeah, I did. Um, I, uh, yeah, grew up in kind of a, what, what at the time would probably be thought of as a moderate uh, Southern Baptist church. Sure. So it wasn't very Southern Baptist, you know, and we had like modern music and that was kind of the, the signifier was that, oh, there's like drums on Sunday morning, you know, but we still sang hymns and modified uh, praise courses at the time is what they're called. And then as, you know, through growing up, uh, it was a big youth group, and so that was a big part of, like, high school age. Um, How uh, big a youth group? I mean, probably a couple hundred kids. Hell yeah. Know? So it was, nice. you know, it's one of those things. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Uh, that is, that was bigger than mine. I think mine would have clocked in at, like, I don't know, 100 on a really good day. But mm-hmm. what is it like, I, I don't know, uh, Alex, what size youth group are you in? What's it About- like being in a big one? It's tough. It's like going to a second high school. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very, very good way to put it. It's like going to a second high school with completely different rules mm-hmm. and assemblies every single time you get together. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's it's if school were only pep rallies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which can be exhausting uh, for certain personalities. Hey, <laughs> sure. I've yeah. got <laughs> I've got a finite amount of pep. I, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to admit it. You know. <laughs> Did you play music in church? Uh, uh, yeah, I did. I mean, I when I started, so I started playing drums when I was about 14. Uh, I, I wanted to play guitar when I was a kid, uh, but got a guitar and then never got lessons and figured out that you can't just like learn guitar by osmosis. And so by wanting to be Mark Knopfler, which I know is a very strange thing, but as a kid, Money for Nothing was a really big song. But really, it was not just Money for Nothing. It was UHF and, and uh, yeah. the Weird Al version of that that was actually what drew me to a guitar. That's a very strange. I don't know that I've actually told that story to anybody before. So let's have there it. some UHF. No, that, that's just literally the story is that I liked UHF yeah. so much. It made me want to play guitar. That's but so that good. eventually led me to playing drums. And so I, I started playing kind of simultaneously in youth group and then like these like kind of Christian punk bands growing up. And, yep. Um, at a really strange inflection point in that scene where it was like very self-aware. It was the prime tooth and nail years. And we had the band Puller from Oklahoma city who was on tooth and nail. And like, those were close you know, friends of ours and kind of mm-hmm. mentors. And so there's a strange pipeline, like nearness to that whole scene that was like in Edmond, Oklahoma of all places that you know, would have been yeah, kind of wild. Wow. So, yeah. Well, I didn't know anything happened there. <laughs> I know it was due for a minute. Like I, there's still, I tell people there's a show that happened at the 108 cafe that was long defunct in downtown Edmond uh, mm-hmm. when nothing was in downtown Edmond besides like Java Dave's and 108 cafe and like around the corner, maybe and McCall's mm-hmm. McCall's has always been there. It will always be there into the ages forever and ever. Amen. But the, uh, as we all know, amen, as we all know. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, there was a great punk scene that were like, there was a show that happened. I actually was out of town and I remember missing it and kicking myself, but Sinsfield and Jimmy world played at this tiny cafe in Edmond, like in wild late nineties. Like it was just, it was a pretty wild time. So. Wow. I, I thought I had this case all wrapped up that Edmond wasn't cool. (laughs) 
and uh and and new information has surfaced you know i you know Edmund i don't know that, that has at change. one time been cool yeah it, even once yeah <laughs> uh well awesome i uh did you I, school of rock was the movie that did this for me which i yeah. think is interesting i feel like i feel like those movies kind of like share a similar dna that causes pe- kids to want to pick up instruments yeah alex yeah, i yeah. know that you were kind of a, a from a I'm household big, affected by school of rock yeah i'm from a household affected by school of rock we're all big jack Blackheads. good uh yeah i ended up i the it was why i went to acm is because i wanted to like teach it and then they didn't really have a thing for that so i started doing stand-up instead not yeah. as good uh <laughs> <laughs> totally it sounds like you're right you're right i'll get a knuckle supper yeah uh, so you what kind of kid were you in church yeah were you were you, were you into it that's a great question no I, yeah i mean i was yeah i was super into it i mean and it's still you know i don't want to fast forward but it's like a it maybe is hopefully fun context for like you know, talking about it even now, it's like I'm still at a place where I'm. I I feel like it maybe is an internet personality where I was a like pretty not compliant, but I was comfortable in youth group, and that was yeah. like it was a, a way to thrive. And um, you know, my personality is kind of serious. I think when I'm like really the stuff that I'm really into, I get serious about it, and like it's meaningful. And but I also was like really into things that if you did it now, it'd feel like you're fronting a whole lot. It's like. When I tell people that like Dostoevsky is my favorite writer, it's kind of like, sure. oh, yeah, Dostoevsky is my favorite yeah. writer. You know, that's, yeah. it's, I, I totally understand that like response because people can wear that stuff around and it turns you into like this. Right. You're, you're basically uh, Max and Rushmore, that kind of thing, you know? And yeah. so yeah. that, I, I didn't want to be that. So it just felt super comfortable and like, so, but you know, and fast forwarding to now, like as a person who still is like, you know, I, would say I'm a believer and like a Christian, but I'm much more progressive than I was then. Sure. And one of those kids that like grew up in a fairly, you know, for lack of a better term, and it sounds like you all have some context for this, or I know you do of like normie evangelical Christian youth group world that just leads you into the pipeline of like, you know, reading Jacobin magazine now, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so that's kind of the, uh, mm-hmm. it, it was comfortable then. And I still don't, I don't know that I have regrets in that I didn't see a lot of the like, things that are very obviously toxic in hindsight and some of yeah. the intersection of like, you know, just being a middle-class kid and Edmund and that's normal life, you know, you don't yeah. see those things are, but then other times there are things I probably had the inklings of like, Oh, this feels a little weird, but uh, you know, this social life is so easy for me. I don't, I don't want right. to pick against it. You know, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how could you be aware of an alternative before you, you know, have to embrace that alternative. Like, uh, yeah, you, uh, when you're a kid, you, one, you, you don't have like the, the mental framework to understand like what is positive or or negative about your environment compared to other environments, you know, that's what makes uh, church a lot more palatable when you're younger, you know, sometimes it's actually good. Sure. Um, But, you know, it's difficult to, to see those things when you're in them and, and they can only be unpacked later, you know? Totally, totally. I mean, you know, I can look back and go like, gosh, I wish I could go back to be 16 or 17 and be completely different in the way I treat like 
LGBTQ plus friends yeah. at the time or the way that I would like see our racial environment and makeup in that youth group, which was, it wasn't lily white, but it also was pretty just normal suburban Edmund. Yeah. It was whiteness. Pre- so, pretty yeah, white. What, what you expect. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's where the, and, and that, that's just like on the surface level, on the cultural level, it's a whole other level of like embedded, you know, hierarchies and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. so there's, there's, but even at the time there were things where like, you know, like my mom would teach in the youth group at times and got kind of like shoehorned out because of the fact that my parents got divorced, not like in her place or anything. And they just, they treated her like shit and kind of, and I, you know, kind of had to balance those two worlds of like, gosh, this, this doesn't feel right. And she kind of wanted to shield us from that because she could see how valuable it would be for us as kids, you know, not to be like so heavy or super serious, but really <laughs> yeah. it was like, she was just saying, like, I want to shield this because this is something that's good for you all. Yeah. They're also not being good. And that would only expand into like, oh, this is just how you do things. It wasn't just like, oh, this is just happening to my parents. This is happening to every woman that tries to go into a position of leadership in this environment, you know, and yeah. young yeah. women that would just think, well, I'm never going to be a pastor or never going to be a teacher in this sense, just because it was like taken for granted that that's just how it was, you know? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, and it's really easy to come up with little, uh, I guess, mental gymnastic stunts to sort of justify that you're not against these people, uh, while, while still, you know, uh, being a force against, you know, (laughs) while being against the people. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Being a force against their equality. Sure. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, tough to tough to break yourself out of that mindset because that's what you learn in evangelical church that you can be compassionate but you can't expect the system to be compassionate and you have to not care about it is kind of the was my takeaway i guess yeah yeah Yeah. uh so you uh talked about a little bit more winding um what about what point was it in your in your development that you decided you need to distance yourself from the church. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, so in the, uh, in the, in the walk, I just just love the, uh, the the insider language here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, um, You know, it's funny because I, in college is kind of confronting because I studied biblical languages in college. So I'm studying theology, studying biblical text quite a bit as my undergrad, which is also a strange path to become a musician for your work. Um, But it, uh, you know, through doing that, there, there's a process that happens. And it's funny because I only read this until my senior year of college, but where the ideas and concepts you have about God, and I'll, I'll kind of talk specifically within Christian languages because it's like that's my home and world. But, you know, you can expand that to your different spiritual worlds. Um, it, you know, it for me and the concepts of God and God within Christianity and such it became so big that it, it was tough to relate to God and it kind of brought it, not so much the problem wasn't that, Oh, I thought that God didn't exist or anything like that, but just that God was so big that it made no sense to relate to humans. And so, Oh, uh, God became impersonal to you. Yeah. And it's funny because it's a, I read a book towards the end of my college years. It's actually by a writer. I don't necessarily love, but has a great little uh, uh, like preface to one of his texts. It's called Exegetical Fallacies, and it's more of like a exegesis text when it comes to like Bible nerd stuff. But the beginning, he talks about this thing called distanciation, where people that study theology, um, you know, it turns into this thing that distances their 
um, you know, quote unquote, interpersonal spiritual life with the reality of God's presence and that kind of thing. And so, you know, I, I definitely, I was like, oh, okay, I recognize that self myself. I felt like the, um, or the Leo, um, Leonardo DiCaprio meme of him pointing at the TV. Yeah, like, that's me. Right? <laughs> that's me. And, hey, I, I'm uh, in that. I'm in that <laughs> theological process. Hang exactly, on a second. Exactly right. I just needed a big word so that I could throw that around whenever I go and like sit and talk. You know, very uh, you know, strange things with my fellow Christian friends. And so, you know that that whole thing was a good understanding. But then it's funny is the longer life goes on, the more that when I go into like reading theology and like reading kind of doing the quote unquote intellectual work of it. That's where I find the most kind of emotional life still, uh, you know, yeah. you know, and that's honestly like in my relationship with the church, like I still very much, it's one of those things where I don't know if there's a, a good place that I fit, but I also still kind of want the, uh, the church to be better and want to belong, you know, and yeah. good, you know, good or bad ways, but still, you know, want to want it to be the, the good force that it could be. Um, right. Like, yeah. And, and two, you know, even personally go like, I still in the metaphysics and believe and all that stuff of, of, of relating to God, that's still me and still part of my life and still, you know, confess the creeds and those kind of things. Um, but it's, it's just that those confessions, maybe starting in college, which is again, very typical for a lot of people, you know, it can branch off to where you're just kind of like, nah, this is not my thing. And you, whether intellectually or emotionally, or you suffer abuse uh, emotionally, spiritually, physically at the hands of people that are in the church, it's like, no, I'm out. And it's like, that's that's probably a good thing because you should be out if that's how the church is treating you. And there's a branch that's kind of like you lean into it, but you're always like, man, I don't know where I fit. It just whines, you know, the whole time. But at the same time, there's something still, uh, you know, there and confessions and creeds and prayer and all that kind of stuff. So that makes sense. Hopefully that's clear enough. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's, uh, I, I think that you're right about the fact that you can want more for the church, even though your membership status is like sort of in flux, uh, totally, yeah. or, or what have you. And at the same time, you know, if, if anybody were to tell me that, you know, that, that, the church has like burned a bridge with them. I, it wouldn't, I know that it wouldn't be up to me to tell them that they've got to like uh, forgive the church or whatever. I think that, uh, right. I think that, you know, people leaving the church is like the church's own consequences to deal with. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. I think, and that's something that I, I, I mean, honestly, and maybe even a little bit shamefully to myself I think I ignored that factor of it for a really long time where it's like it was I still wanted to have some sort of apologia for the church, even if it, it was the it was the no true Scotsman thing of like, yeah, well, that's not really, really it, you know, yeah, which is not the case. It's like if you if you are really suffering at the hands of this institution, which anybody in good faith would be able to say has been very awful to very specific sets of people uh for a long time yeah and, yeah and, the, the majority of people generally forever yeah <laughs> right and and if somebody's got a good i mean this the thing is the response to that for me i it took a long time to learn that it's not the it's not this like well but you just need to know what the real thing is and it's like no actually you're probably you're right like yeah if this is what it is to you then you don't need to be related to this no you know and and i don't know i don't know what the how to necessarily navigate that because i don't want to be on a bridge necessarily because that bridge is too abuse or too pain or too suffering yeah. instead mm -hmm. it's like a it's like a border that um 
you know, I, I feel comfortable being on the border only because it's not that I'm like, you know, this is very good Christianese language. Like, it's not that I have a heart for skeptical people. It's that I am a skeptical person. Right. For whatever reason, I've kind of, you know, I don't even think of it as a side or you're in or you're out of Christianity or evangelicalism or whatever, aside from what you want to say. Like, I don't really want to be in evangelicalism at all, but yeah. I do still really want to be in Christianity. And so how do I stay in Christianity yet? Yeah, have to deal constantly with the fact that it's so harmful for so many people, and so I, yeah. you know, that's that's the honest track of where I'm at, and I don't necessarily even know what how to navigate that yeah. that path. You know, the I, hardest I think part that... oh, about sorry, Christianity ahead, is its proximity to evangelicalism. Yeah, like yeah, totally. Yeah, and maybe mm-hmm. that's the thing. It's like yeah, yeah, and I think that it's it's up for you, up to you to define what. Christianity looks like for you in your own life. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, you hear a lot of people say a church is just a building, right? And whatever you, however you relate to the subject matter of the church is uh, probably valid, especially if you, you know, like you said, you've, you've done your own reading on the side and you have a good framework for this stuff already. Um, especially with your background that, that I think that, you know, uh, the ways that you naturally relate to it are sufficient. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do we want to get into real Christian hours? Ooh, we could. Yeah. Okay. We don't have a a bumper for that. We don't have a bumper for it. This is a segment we don't (laughs) do as often as we'd like. Uh, This is called real Christian hours. uh, Whenever we have someone who's still a part of it, um, we asked them a few questions uh, specifically. Right. Question number one, how do you pray? How do I pray? Man, great question. Uh, I mean, it it's generally I'll go somewhere by myself and I tend to journal or write. Uh, mm. You know, it's, it's not a I think it's such a funny, very specific kind of evangelicalism. But for a long time, I felt a lot of shame about experiencing prayer mostly by myself because mm-hmm. I think in a proper sense, you're doing it supported by other people or you're at least like you're not pulling yeah. away from other people, but in the actual act of it, it's by myself, you know, in a lot of ways. So it, the ideal is like, I'll throw on some headphones, get to walk around somewhere like a forest or a city or something, and then go sit down. And it's extremely like 40 year old white guy thing to like sit down and write some, you know, thoughts yeah. or poems or whatnot. Yeah. You're quiet yeah. timing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So old habits die hard with that, you know, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I, that was probably like my favorite thing about going to church camps was yeah. uh, the the culture of people like finding time to be quiet by themselves every day. Yeah. You know, that is really good for people, <laughs> no matter what you're doing while you're quiet, I think. It, it seems like that is a really subversive thing to evangelicalism still is like just shutting up (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, truly the holiest act just shutting up (laughs) yep (laughs) um that's that's awesome yeah journaling quiet time um question two um what is your visual conception of god if you have one oh gosh that's because because some people think of like the the old man with the beard right yeah. Totally. Um, 
and you know you you may not you may not even like see <laughs> uh god when you think about god right so but uh yeah. if you've got anything for that that'd be no, great no that's that's a great question i mean i you know i it's hard because i also you know was a liberal arts student so there's an element of like i've looked at a lot of classic art and it is an old man with a beard you know mm-hmm. and that's mixed with a bend in myself that I don't think has ever fully materialized. Maybe it will someday before I die. I don't know of being like very, very mystical. It's mm-hmm. always been appealing to me, but I've never felt that I've been too skeptical to really be a good mystic in some ways. But I think skeptics make really good mystics when it's actually, yeah, really work. that's how you um, get there. Exactly. And so I'm, I'm on that path somewhere. Um, so there's a, there's a level of like, I don't, I'm not pantheist, but maybe panentheist in some ways of just like, seeing the way that God gets revealed in nature and yeah. particularly other humans. And I don't mean that in the, a cringe way of like, I just see God in other people's faces, but like the, the way that that's offensive to yeah a, a big portion of Christianity mm-hmm. that it really do see God and, you know, friends who during pride month are finally coming to terms with reckoning their history with the church and like being themselves and, and like, no, I don't know how to, express the sincerity of it of like and the non-performative allyship hopefully of just going like oh no that's actually the image of god because it's totally surprising to you you're like oh i didn't this is not where you expect this to necessarily come from but of course it does that that really feels like Mm -hmm. something like that human beings nature to some degree um but i i don't think i have an image where like god looks like this it's just kind of like it's those things so sure that's a great answer yeah um and then Oh yeah. Final question. We haven't done Christian hour, real Christian hours in a while. Uh, what is the Holy Spirit's job in, in your words? Man, that's a good one too. That, I mean, I think it's, it, there's a degree, which I think mostly for me, for me, it, Holy Spirit shows up as I take one second to not think about myself when I'm faced with something that just makes me want to think about myself. So like something that is, you know, um, pissing me off, you know, I've just built an Ikea bookcase, you know, it's like, fuck that. I have, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I have that moment where I'm like, this pain is about me right now. (laughs) Or I have a moment where it's like, Oh no, I could take a second and be like, this is what this is actually about. Particularly when it comes to other people, you know, somebody else in, inconveniences me in some way and that's that's like one level of it and then there's the other that's just like the super quiet nudging um that's uh what is it there's a there's a welsh poet named rs thomas who talks about salvation is like this i'm gonna just totally screw up the quote but um you know it's this it's this push that feels like the opposite of coercion and that's kind of what a sense like the Holy Spirit being like, I oh, just take a second and like shut up and think about things like, and I don't mean to like kind of trivialize a it's part like, of the Trinity. Yeah. You're describing like, like compulsion almost. Totally. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. That's the opposite of coercion in my brain right now, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have a bonus question. Um, since you've mentioned some authors who are, who do you like to read? uh that that gets into god stuff who oh, are yeah, your guys no, no, no. who are the guys so, who are your guys and gals? who are your guys yeah and, yeah. yeah 
No, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a poet named Christian Wyman who is a living poet, contemporary poet, and does like some memoirs that, you know, he's he's very much the kind of Christian I recognize myself in, if that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, on multiple levels. Um, that's a big one. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. Denise Levertov is a Russian poet. Um, again, like these poets are really helpful in this sense just because they, I think they get it a lot of the uh, theology in ways that they get that the mode of theology matters and sometimes just reading prose theology make, turns you into a prose theologian. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, those are... As opposed to an amateur's theologian, you know. Exactly. All right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right. And uh, uh, so like, you know, those are folks I'm trying to think... Uh, uh, some other theologians I really like a guy named George Limbeck who uh, passed away recently, Nancy Murphy, um, who's uh, still living, uh, who signed a book, a theology book I had one time. It's like the biggest nerd thing in the world uh, called Beyond Foundationalism. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, really, really love. Dude, she signed my copy of Beyond Foundationalism. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, so Nancy Murphy, and then um, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of any, I mean, James Cone is a big one that is a very important like breaks off the shell of oh yeah this is what white evangelicalism has been in my entire life you know mm-hmm. um, and you know grateful to have read those folks in college so there's some folks like that um yeah i think that's probably a somewhat a compendium of weird poets and theologians nice. wonderful cool I'm, I'm glad we have some reading recommendations thank you yeah, for uh work. Thank you for doing a little reading and 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 coming on and let I'm us just, know. You know, happy to take one for the team here. Another one that's worth mentioning is R.S. Thomas, that poet I mentioned. He's Welsh, which mm. my like lineage is Welsh, and basically all he does is like write a poem that might complain about Welsh people, or complain about how the English have changed Welsh people, or complain about <laughs> how God is silent and pissing him off, or write this beautiful, you know, like. I'm hanging on by a thread, but I'm still here kind of poem. He was a, a, That's great. Like a country preacher in Wales, like the middle of nowhere. So very interesting figure. He wrote in like the fifties. So it's not that far in the past. So That's very cool. Yeah, it's really. This episode of the praise down is brought to you by Godfather on ice. The only show with an ice skating horse, you know, revenge is a dish best served cold. And this dish has never been served colder. Come see the ice skating event that critics are calling a lot like the film The Godfather, Godfather on Ice. All your favorites are back in Godfather on Ice. Come watch Sonny do a sow cow and don't miss the Don's double axle. While being a cutting-edge visual spectacle, Godfather on Ice is also painstakingly true to its source material. The makers of Godfather on Ice are deeply respectful of Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola's artistic vision, which is why none of their dialogue has been left out of this production. The total runtime is five and a half hours. They also made all the ice skaters take like a, lo- a ton of acting classes so they would really be able to nail their parts. Come see why the Miami Herald is calling Godfather on Ice basically a live performance of The Godfather, but everyone skates around. On Ice. Godfather on Ice. Leave the gun. Take the Zamboni. <laughs> Screen talk is on. All right, sorry. All right, buckle down. Is it over? Oh, wait. Into some shut talk. up. All right, sorry. Sh- shut sorry. up. Welcome <laughs> to Tune Talk, the only song where we talk tune. The only part of the podcast where we talk tune. Yeah, the only song I said where we talk tune. Uh, Dustin, what are we? What tune are we talking? Well, so, are we talking a tune or an album? An album. 
an album. Okay, so the album full of tunes, which yeah, just many being of them alliterative. Are, <laughs> no, no, I, I like it. What kind of album are we? Disgusting. Um, ambulating. ambulating about. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Y'all are pros. I feel yeah. out, of, uh, out of the w- disc discourse. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Disc discourse. There you go. Um, that one's just, you know, don't say really that. Really good. Drinks. Um, mm-hmm. So the, uh, the album is uh, The Big Picture by Michael W. Smith. I actually don't know what the W stands for in his name, but we're going to. I'll look it up right now. Whitaker. Oh, I'm sorry. I beat you to it, Michael. Uh, oh my gosh, that's amazing. It's so the big picture, yeah, from 1986, mm-hmm. loving songs, 51 minutes. I'm just going to read the rest of Spotify. Play arrow, heart, mm-hmm. three dots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael W. Smith actually inherited his musical career from his father, Michael H. W. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, I love it. <laughs> Don't ever stop. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, cool it, Sanchez. You get a knuckle supper. Um, mm-hmm. I I didn't have it ready, so you have to say it. Yeah. Um, so I had to say it. I first off, I'm. I think the album art is cool. I agree. It looks cool. Um, it looks like it could be like a easily be like a Depeche Mode album or something. Good yeah, stuff. it looks like it could be like a British invasion. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Songs of Faith and Devotion or, you know, that kind of era Depeche Mode. This is it's like a kid kind of looking a little bit creepy, but not mm-hmm. super creepy with random things like a picture frame and maybe uh, mm-hmm. wings or a curtain in the background. No, yeah. It's kind of like dark neon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was going around on Twitter for a while, the bisexual lighting. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, Michael W. Smith. Uh, what is his like? Uh, what What's his deal? Where does he Where does he fit in the the, the like mythology of contemporary Christian music? I mean i i have I have some answers to this because my relationship to this album is both like, you know, I yes, we have the ironic distance, and we have you know. 80s things and ccm and that whole thing but then there's also like a legitimate a little not a little bit a lot of admiration for this Mm -hmm. musicians that are on it so it's the full the full text i hope but i'm curious to know before i answer like what you all see is that because we have a few years between us so there's a like generational thing Mm -hmm. or yeah think about them at all you're like i don't know yeah for me growing up michael w smith was like on the edge of my awareness of stuff um by the time i started paying attention to things he was just another guy doing worship songs right um there was a a point in his career where that started to happen yeah i i'm not super familiar with like his earlier uh and from what i know more ambitious projects yeah, yeah. I just sort of knew him as the other Stephen Curtis Chapman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's 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 pretty accurate to like the the time that he started kind of petering out, and I was getting into like heavy music, and like I would have sworn off all of the CCM stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, uh, we had a VHS of which is this old video format children, uh-huh. of uh mm-hmm. the uh, the live set which was him playing mostly the big picture era songs live and then some like big hits outside of that 
that he had. But at the time, he was still, like, he opened for Amy Grant on some of his earlier tours. Like, Amy Grant was the big CCM person, and then, rightfully so, and then he was kind of set up. And then for a minute, it felt like he kind of took the belt for a little while, and then Stephen Curtis Chapman came in mm-hmm. and took the belt right after that. I think he, like, his big pop, this was the era of crossover, right? So mm-hmm. Amy Grant had Heart in Motion, this big, like, you know, and crossover came around just because you know, Christian music is a marketing thing. That's and that's yeah. sort of a theological sure. or like a cultural statement, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing that makes some music Christian and other music not. It's just like this is a marketing thing, right? But mm-hmm. you know, uh, so Heart and Motion came out, Amy Grant, Baby Baby, Good for Me, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, you have his kind of crossover was Place in This World, which I think was an album, several albums after this. So there's a few aesthetic things that happened and then after that it was mm-hmm. just kind of like super mod and pop for a little bit and then as soon as it turned into like oh christian music is worship music now okay i'm just going to make some worship records that kind of thing easy mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know but but still like has been consistent for like I mean, 40 something years almost probably so which is you know almost my entire life which is kind of wild so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah the the last time the last and only time we've discussed Michael W. Smith on the show was with Jarvix. And yeah. the thing Jarvix sort of imparted to us was the fact that Michael W. Smith is like a craftsman. He's, he's really into like making songs around this time. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, and we listened to his Christmas album. So I'm, I'm ready to hop in. Yeah. This will be very different. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. First one we have is Lamu. It's the name of the track Lamu. Off a big picture by Michael W. Smith. I love something that starts with a playlist. I'm going to put it at a volume we can talk over. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this is pretty wild so far. I'm all the way in on this. (laughs) This is hitting a lot of buttons for me. Unless his voice sounds really bad, I'm going to be pretty into this song. Totally fine. Yeah. Michael W. Smith does have a singing voice that doesn't like undermine his own songs. Yeah. Okay. Here's the chorus. You know what I'll say? He sings like Weird Al. I wow. Like that, but I can, I can, I can hear that now. Yeah. A little bit. Some of his vow- vowels. The vowel thing is a thing. Like where yeah. he seems like at a island far away, and kind of mm-hmm. like other people have pointed it out. Like, why did you say that word that way? Yeah. Just being weird, which I so- respect. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought, man, I I can see Weird Al singing it now. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, 
uh, Dustin, how much do you know about this album? Like, could I ask you, uh, like how things are, what, what's kind of going on track by track? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I have the live set performance of most of these songs drilled into my like deepest inner brain wrinkles. So Mm -hmm. yes. And I've also got Wikipedia pulled up to cheat a little bit. And I also learned some things in just kind of looking like, I need to prepare myself because I'm cheat on cheat on. And I was like, Oh, praise down is open note. Okay, yeah. good. Folks. Well, so. there's some pretty amazing facts that I've discovered about this that we can hit as we go for sure. So Right. Yeah. What are your what are your feelings about Lamu in terms of uh, the whole the whole range here? Oh, I mean, it's a I mean, it's a good opening track. The that keyboard hook, I think he was really strong at. You'll hear this I basically I'm looking down the list and like every single one of these songs has some kind of cool keys hook. And he's I think mm-hmm. is playing that live. I mean, this is the mid eighties. So there's not a ton of sequencing, but when they played live, there's still like sequencing and loops going on in the background, which I imagine how stressful that was for everybody at the time. It's super easy to do now. <laughs> like that's literally part of my job and what I do live. But then, uh, at the time it's like, we're, we're firing up this computer, the size of a car to play back, like some percussion. That's kind of, yeah, what a guy's like. got to turn a crank back there yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. But Lamu is like, it, it kind of has this like vibe of, um, I don't know the uh, we're writing a song about a place that's far away off the coast of Africa. Like he's literally describing. Oh yeah. Yeah. This felt like a Toto thing a little bit. Exactly. There's that like, well, if we put some percussion in and, you know, kind of throws in, um, you know, about, uh, you know, trying to run away from who you really are, which is kind of a nice universal thing. It's not very specifically like repent or die kind of thing. So it's, you know, it's Mm -hmm. good for for him. It's making me think of, it's making me feel Genesis as well. Ooh. A little bit of Genesis to this. A little bit of Genesis say quoi. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> Call it Sanchez or you'll get a knuckle supper. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, right. We'll move on to uh, Wired for Sound, the next track. Let's do it. Oh! If you need to download this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be very fun to sample this. Yeah. It, it sounds like a victory screen in a video game. Mm-hmm. This whole thing, I'm just waiting for somebody to make a really dope-ass song out of this. That hook is... Uh, that's a, it's a good hook. Yeah, give that hook to Sleigh Bells is what I say. <laughs> Let them have it. Let them fuck around with it. It, He sings like Weird Al. He hits some of those. It's his I's and his A's. Mm Mm-hmm. And his R's. He hits the R's really hard. Uh... Oh. 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 This is, yeah, this is very proggy. Yeah, we're talking about doing a side podcast called Prague Champs. So this is right up our... <laughs> I mean, this was a whole genre of songs in the 80s, like even outside of CCM. Of like technology is making humans into worse people. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's like a whole genre of movies and songs. And Like, 
Like, this sounds like it could go on the Hot Rod soundtrack. Yeah! <laughs> Same snare drum. Like, mm -hmm. the, the, the drum in a cave effect. Yeah. Ugh. It's just big as hell, is how I would describe this song. I mean, you used to mention Genesis and, like, Phil Collins and, like, just big, gated reverb snares. Like, yeah! Mm -hmm. mm. God, going to see this must have been straight incredible. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet this song is awesome live. This just, this isn't out of place with, you know, mid-80s pop at all. Oh, yeah. Like, it's it so... sounds like Talk Talk also. You know? Yeah. Yo. I would encourage you to go check out the live set. It's on YouTube and stuff. It's called the live set. And just seeing the jackets that he's wearing, like the frilly leather jacket. Yeah. And ties, like really good. Really good fashion, but <laughs> great, great, great live performance. It's cool. Looking it up. Yeah, it sounds... Uh... We could probably we could probably do an, do a recording of us watching that or something. Yeah, we probably could. Could really be a commentary track. Oh, he's uh, handsome. Oh yeah, he's a handsome dude. Oh he's wow, still a handsome dude for sure. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> I know. Yeah, the only the only hot prog guy, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I never thought of like Michael Smith, Michael Lewis Smith as Prague, but now that you mention that with the Weird Al angle, I can't unhear it. Some of that is like the players that he had on this. This is where we get into Dustin knows way too much about this album and the live set stuff. Please, please. Uh, the players are super heavy on this of like Nashville guys that are still very influential. They're they're quite a bit older now, but like Wayne Kirkpatrick, who's still a huge label producer guy, uh, was doing guitars and keys and vocals. Chris Rodriguez, who ended up becoming like a big uh, touring and collaborator with Kenny Loggins through his acoustic era, which is mm -hmm. a really funny connection. I wanted to be Chris Rodriguez when I was a kid, too. So when I mentioned that like, Weird Al wanted to play guitar, like basically his his like version of uh, Money for Nothing, Martin Knopfler, uh, Chris Rodriguez was the other half of that. He had this bright pink guitar, this huge quaffy hair that you'll see on the live set video. Yes. And he just seemed like an angel. And I was like, I that that's the coolest person I've ever seen in my life. That's so a cool. Super heavy guitar player. And then David Huff, who played drums, was really heavy. And then Steve Ferroni, which I didn't know until I looked at Wikipedia, who plays drums with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Um, he wow. came in after Stan Lynch. So Steve Ferroni's been with the Heartbreakers for 20-something years. Uh, more long than wow. that. Wow, what a band. On this record. And Tony Levin played bass on a couple songs, who plays bass with Peter Gabriel. I'm like, oh. Okay. And King Crimson. So the prog thing okay. actually is for real. Yes. It's all coming together. There's a prog connection. Yes. There's a reason this sounds kind of like yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I, this is amazing. That's, cool. that's awesome. I, I, I feel like Christian contemporary music around this time wasn't like quite... Wasn't big I, I, like could, I could only assume wasn't quite as the butt of a joke, I guess, because it seems like industry people still sort of like, 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 like actual industry people still like worked with Christian artists like this rather than them having kind of their own, um, you know what Stable I mean? Stable of Rob Schneiders and yeah, and it's <laughs> yeah. also like it was probably siloed a lot more than two and just kind yeah. of a little thing, and so. You know, for better or worse, there wasn't as much uh, naval game about it. And so, mm -hmm. and because the stuff that crossed over tended to be like, you know, Chicago 21 era, like look away, just by the numbers, 
my age is Magic 104, basically like dentist office pop yeah. ballads, you know? Mm-hmm. Some of them better than others, but like that's the stuff that crossed over, so that's what people thought all it was. But it's like, man, there's some kind of really heavy stuff going on in there. Sure. Back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Much, before too much marketing came in and was like, now listen, you can't have that like long gated snare, you know, intro to this song, you know. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna police people's images even more now. Yeah, so old enough to know is the next track. Let's get into it. He does still look really good. Sorry, I'm just looking at looking up Michael W. Smith's. Name. All right, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a look. Oh wow, yeah, he looks like uh, Ewan McGregor a lot. <laughs> he does a little bit. Weird Al voice is all the way out on this one. You know what it, I think maybe more is, is um, uh, octave and a half down Getty Lee voice. Because he's, he's like singing with that same part of his head. Pressure. It's almost like uh, it's almost like Tom DeLonge voice. <laughs> pressure. The nasal thing has always been. I was. I didn't want to say anything when y'all were saying at the beginning. Like, what's his voice going to be like? Because that's the one thing people have always criticized. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, he's kind of like. Yeah. You know? Is I like his I, voice. I think it's fine. Yeah. I mean, look, my favorite yeah. bands. They might be giants. I don't get to talk about guys sounding yeah. uh, <laughs> This song is really interesting in that, like, it's. Its premise is like you should be old enough to kind of know how to say no to pressure to have sex before marriage. I'm assuming oh. in this case. But that's the that's the text. But I think the subtext here that I really enjoy thinking about with this song in particular, which I think is a well written song. You know, people should go back. It's pre-chorus. But the whole like premise of it, of, like why you're giving into the pressure, you should be old enough to know this is what's happening. I think about that now in the context of like authority within churches abusing in, yeah. in any kind of manner. Younger people who just look up to these positions of authority and like learning to parse that and learning to be on your toes and like protect your heart and yourself. About yeah, that. that's what this song has become to me in a lot of ways. Whoa. Like, yeah. yeah it, it, and it's really fun to go back to this and re-read it, so to speak, you know, with that kind of thought. Wow. And this sounds like that New happens. World Man by Rush. Like, uh, <laughs> if a Christian artist writes a song that is perhaps intended to be truly subversive, how much do they control their own messaging on it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, how much are they allowed to? It's a cool bridge. Man, all mm-hmm. the songs sound so good. You know, they definitely have that sort of like... Uh, um, that 80s major key pop song sound, right? Yeah. But, but like, within that space, top-notch stuff. Big and twinkly. 
right, let's hit the next one. I'm 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 doing fade outs now. Oh wow! <laughs> I love it. Hundred episodes. Yeah, yeah. I finally decided to pursuit of the dream. Can't it's believe. Song. And you know what? If it had been me, I never would have thought to do it. <laughs> never would have occurred to me once. Oh, just people's dreams. Sure. Yeah, you love it. Samples. This song's sick. Yeah. Good vocal I, melody, like a lot. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Just the big stabs of keyboards in there. The best thing about the song though is that he says the words the big picture in it. It's like, <laughs> like, yeah. like when you're in a movie and they're like, Welcome to Jurassic Park. And you're like, Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. I know um, that guy. I'm getting prefab sprout from this song. Wow. You're speaking my love language out of this. Man, this is a very prefab sprout ass song. It's so good. Yeah, any kind of like chromatic or quasi chromatic walk down like that i'm always in, in any kind of songwriting so. mm -hmm. i love an accidental you know i think melodically this is as good as any huey lewis song <laughs> i mean this is this takes right here this is great i love it Yeah, yeah, I'm giving that a like. Yeah. Yeah. This brings me so much joy to have like the ne the next generation, which is you all. You know, when I was four when this album came out, so it's not like I was like bopping to this in my headphones just yet. But sure. Just a few years after I was old enough to get it. Yeah. It brings me joy. I'm like, man, I'm not crazy for anything. And this is sort of. No, this does hit. <laughs> yeah. It's. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I I wish I had this growing up. It would be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, and technically I could have, but I had like, I had like DC talk and stuff. Yeah, but, that's true. Yeah. Um, next song, uh, Rocket, Rocket Town, but it's, but it shares a T, the T, the T and Rocket and, uh, and, and Town, they share a T. So it might be Rocket Own. Rocket Own. It's Rocket Town. Yeah. Rocket Town. Rocket Town. Rocket Town. <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm I mean, also, I'm. I'm true. Also, I'm. I'm also saying fuck yes about the. Sense. I, yeah. I'm like clenching my fist a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm ready to. <laughs> Something that happens a lot on these songs is like song delay, where it's like rocket town. Like, like you can mm. tell you're singing that. Like. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have to so fun fact about this tune like i mean the, the whole gist is like 
it's sort of a picture of like Jesus walking among the sinners kind of vibe. Like, yeah, it's literally that. But Michael W. Smith actually built a venue in Nashville called Rocket Town that still exists. It's like a music venue. It was kind of like, it, you know, every you all know this very well. Like, edgy it's got Christian an indoor youth venue. skate park. Wow. <laughs> I played there in the past. I played there. It's, Whoa! Wow. Yeah. You played Rocket Town? Believe me, it blew my freaking mind to be in yeah. Rocket Town. Having wow. grown up with this song, yeah. Well, how was it? What was oh, it, it was cool. like to play a Rocket Town? It was awesome. It was a, there was a whole other level of like playing in Nashville. For, I toured with a, a worship singer songwriter, and so like playing in Nashville in that world. Anyone we'd know. Uh, his name is Charlie Hall. Uh, from oh, okay. Charlie Hall's played camps. I was a kid at. Oh yeah, yeah. And Charlie and I are close friends. Like I, Whoa. I'm proud, proud of the music that we made and make, you know, over the years. But um, we played here at Rocket Town, and going into playing in Nashville, everybody was like, oh, "When you play in Nashville, everybody just kind of stands around, crosses their arms, and is kind of just bitchy about it." And so I was kind of like, oh, this is going to be a letdown. But it wasn't. It was so fun. And I was yes. just out on being in Rocket Town the whole time. So. so that's so cool. I'm glad it's still. I'm looking. It is still around. And there's a line Why was his heart light always glowing? <laughs> I don't know that only Neil Diamond and Michael W. Smith have ever mentioned the word heartlight as like a vocab word. Heart. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's got an interesting sort of uh, like structure to his songs. They kind of have like a, some Broadway structure a little bit. They kind of yeah. they kind of meander around in a in a fun way sometimes or or go to new places and come back and stuff uh that was cool i so he he built a venue and is he from nashville is that i don't know i that is just kind of the you know it's the center of gravity for all of Christ, contemporary christian music so yeah mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know where he's from i'll look it up do it good computer sounds alex thank you Canova, West Virginia. Yeah. Wayne oh. County. He's a he's a West Virginia boy. Well, he's not too mm -hmm. far away. Yeah. Um. So he's from West Virginia. He's singing a song called "Rocket Town." This reminds me of October Sky. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a another way around to that. We've got up next voices. We'll be hearing voices pretty soon here, folks. Oh, great. <laughs> Too late. Mm. Where's he going with this? Yeah. It's like, man, I don't know what's happening next. Yeah, no voices so far, weirdly. Okay. Oh! A lone guitar soars overhead. <laughs> That's gotta be... 
Tony Levin doing all that like fretless bass stuff. That sounds great. Whoa, that's a good synth texture. Ooh! This is like soundtrack music. Right? Yeah. yeah, I can tell he's like a like a sort of production head. Mm-hmm. And I like that. There's like good drums all over this album. I agree. The big timpani is so funny. It's such a good, just little, mm, little pinch of pepper. I mean, just perfect, like middle of the album, mid tempo jam. Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah, this sounds like a headphone test song, almost. Yeah. Lots of layers. I could see this And being lots of like, movement. I'm sure for certain, like, front of house engineers in the early, mid-80s in CCM world, this was kind of like what, like, Battle on Sisters is to many front oh. of house engineers, where <laughs> you just play it to, to check the sound system, and, like, this is the one where it's like, oh, the timpani hits over there, the, the spectral... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the Christian Babylon sister, sure. <laughs> Gorgeous. That guitar. Yeah, that like really bright strat in the background that sounds mm-hmm. like uh, uh, that voice again on So by Peter Gabriel, where it just sounds like you're dropping knives on the floor. It's just like, yep. like just the craziest sound, but all over it. Works. Okay, what's next? And we're going to keep going. Uh, Up next is The Last Letter. This might be my favorite song on the album, by the way. Ninja Turtles Sega game level song. Yep. Yeah, this one's a little grittier. Yeah, we're we're in the back of the album, folks. Anything goes. Yeah, 
Oh, oh good no. lord. It's a suicide song. Uh-huh. Got a double S. Yeah, and it's one of those things, like I think you mentioned it earlier, he was like, you didn't write about this stuff necessarily all that much like that. Yeah. Like kind of on its face back in the day. And so anytime that would happen, it was like, well, this is cutting through like the holy language to like, actually, I just want you to like stick around and like going down to that level of speech is nice because it feels like it takes all the balloons out of like inflated you know yeah yeah speech to go like there is still you know stuff in the song like oh if you just pray it's gonna be better like but you can even tell that he maybe even doesn't believe that it's just more like no hang on man like that, yeah that level yeah. and that's where it's like okay I, I, that's where the yeah. respect factor still kicks in and all the weird stuff that comes years later to be like no i mean dude was trying to try to write something to people who do the real stuff and nobody else you know there's very few people working. Exactly. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's very respectable. There's so much going on. Yeah. Man, the the bass in this song is very bouncy and good. Yeah, drums on songs in the 80s in this era were like, okay, we're going to have drums and then we're going to have like seven percussion tracks. Of just mm-hmm. like, yeah. That's true. It was uh, the golden era of auxiliary percussion, the 80s. <laughs> yeah. No better time to be an auxiliary percussionist than the mm-hmm. 1980s. Exactly. Uh, yeah, a chimes man could have made a whole living. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had chimes. If you had like a rack for your drums where you could put mm-hmm. up like just the right moment in the do 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 you know, yep. oh man. Mm. Up next, we've the got going bells. through the motions, which I feel like I've heard of. I feel like I've heard of Michael W. Smith's going through the motions. Let's find out if you're right. right let's do it. guitars deep fried yeah very righteous this is i'm washing my car to this song (laughs) he does he is doing the thing where the vocals are a lot less intense than the music, which is a classic Christian music thing. Yeah, he may have he may have been the grandfather of it. Yeah. But yeah, that's Ooh! I know it's it's so hard to like have the youth group language and grammar in your mind of like going through the motions is like mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm going through the motions right now you know like that 
yeah. when I hear this song because it doesn't match that vibe at all. <laughs> right. It makes the motions sound like it makes They're, it sound like the motions you're going through are aerobic ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or they go through the motions is kind of badass. It's like, yeah. Hey, I could, do I want to be going through the motions actually? Yeah. Is it cool? Hey. <laughs> Some people seem to be having a good time doing it. <laughs> I think my read on this song is like perhaps calling out like bad Christians, air quotes around that, yeah. you know? Oh yeah. But even then it's like, okay, so how we kind of reread uh, Old Enough to Know is mm-hmm. like, no, it's not so much about abstinence as it is about watching out for abusive leaders wherever yeah. you are uh-huh. uh, you know this could be like a oh man you could be like really be true to yourself it's somebody that doesn't fit into the hierarchies of the uh, church world that you're in and you just need to like bust out of that you're like it's really fun to think I and I think that's very unlikely that's what his point is but obviously but I think going back to those and being like well, that's actually what I think it is now. Yeah. It's kind of a nice thing about music, though. Yeah. You can be sort of Gnostic about it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what kind of, like, level of um, evangelical fervor Michael W. Smith personally is or does in his music. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. He's I, – I yeah, I, I assume that he's having some some higher-level thoughts about the – songs he's writing just based on how he's writing them you know yeah um so yeah i i can kind of see that so up next we've got tearing down the wall don't tell pink floyd about this one folks <laughs> <laughs> another another prog connection <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay Ooh. okay nice. it's Yep. I'm I'm receiving a report that this song is better than the wall. <laughs> yeah, this goes. This simply goes. I keep forgetting about the vocoder, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, every every sound is so bendy on this track. doesn't really it only has like a few lyrics on it so it's like almost instrumental i i do want to sample this for sure though pretty bad you have to get a lot of vibes it almost feels a little sacrilegious to myself to say this but of uh Living Color is one of my favorite bands. I get to see them this fall, and man, I'm so stoked about it. Oh, uh, that's Vivid, awesome. On Vivid uh, Funny Vibe, which is kind of a similar thing, where like these little bits and pieces. I think Flavor Flav has a verse on there, and they like sing a few things, but it's just basically a jam and a bunch yeah. of trading solos, and it's about the same kind of character. I'm wondering how much those fed off each other a little bit. Huh. Wow. Yeah, that sounds cool. Something to check out later. rocks yeah everybody's really getting the let out on this one 
<laughs> all all the cats are playing, you know. They're, they're getting was, after it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, no, like integrity music's not gonna let you make like a quasi instrumental song with like ten guitar solos nowadays. Mm -mm. 1986. There's a whole while. <laughs> oh, horns. This is horns. Oh, yep. Just, just tiny, tiny synth horns. Tasteful. 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 Yeah, you don't wanna. There's credits on Wikipedia for Synclavier and uh, Fairlight, you know, which are like the twenty thousand dollars synthesizers in the eighties. So wow, you know that they was like they were like, listen, we just got this expensive stuff. You got to put it on these tracks. Yeah, we really need to like te stress test the new hardware. That's <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh. that guitar is simply righteous. Collapsed halfway through. This is the part you sample. Like they're just giving you some. some yeah. They're, hey. Yeah. This is just the beat. Can do so much with this. Ooh. Ooh. Less Claypool showing up. <laughs> up next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm changing my Twitter name to Michael W. Smith featuring Les, Les Claypool. <laughs> you really are. It's it's. I I can't describe how much it's rewiring my brain to like think of this album in prog terms. <laughs> your argument, your argument is airtight. I can't <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's it is undeniably proggy. Oh, all right. Up next. Um, is the track You're Alright, which is what I'll hopefully be saying about this track. Wow. Great. One thing's for sure, this album doesn't slow down. No, shit. Yeah. If anything, it speeds up. <laughs> it is kind of weird to have like this much energy as like the last sort of track on the album. Yeah. I think it's a good choice. Oh, it's a self-love anthem, folks. We love it. I love it. It just got vibes of Oklahoma is okay. Yeah. Like, You're all right. You're <laughs> okay. one also whips really hard on the live set yeah that makes a ton of sense yeah. 
I bet that live set is so good. I mean, I can't imagine like how like how like these songs are like elevated live. This is just like good on the recording. It's crazy. These other songs have been '80s rush, but this one is '70s rush. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's, I feel like he's getting out of his nose in this one. Yeah, yeah. Why, why wouldn't he just? <laughs> it's like it's almost like he's. It sounds like he's trying to sing raspier. Yeah. And that's what's keeping him out of his nose. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, we both popped pretty good for that one. This break is fucking triumphant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pumping my fist. Tell me you don't feel all right after listening. I feel to like yeah. this is working on At me. least. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting close for, for goodness sake. <laughs> Man, this is awesome. Like, this is one of those things that, like, the, the self-love anthem coming from CCM artists in this time. It, it, this is, again, maybe a cringy thing, but, like, I think of... David Foster Wallace's like reevaluation of what he would see as like pop psychology, where it's like, oh, you just gotta think positive thoughts and you'll feel better. Like he's breaking it down in a way that's really stereotypical, but he's like, his argument is that there's a lot of depth there because when you are suffering, yeah. you actually just something to hold on to that's really simple is super powerful and like the more you learn the more you experience heavy shit the more you realize that stuff isn't stereotype or it's not maudlin or doggerel it's like oh no this is heavy like it's really hard just to feel confident about anything and that's that's kind of this song kind of goes there for me a little bit of like uh oh, this kind of corny if i just read it but then when I like feel really like I'm failing at life, I'm like, no, no, actually, I just want to feel a little bit confident. And you're like, okay, crap. Okay, I can be all right. You know, like yeah. in, in a super serious way even, you know, it, yeah. Yeah, you got to start small uh, when you're in those places sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the hard thing with like CCM stuff is that it, it can shuffle it off to like, well, you just have to, you know, be a better Christian and then you're going to not have these problems. Yeah. Which is, I think, how we read that growing up, or at least I read that growing up. Mm. And it took a long time to learn, like, uh, I mean, if, you know, the way that God would connect with, you know, the self-confidence of a person that feels like they're an imposter or whatever, um, to the level of like, to being, even to the, the heaviest level of like, I don't want to live anymore isn't so much like you got to be a better Christian to answer those questions, but like you're finding more of those answers in your own, your own like self and life. And that doesn't negate God necessarily. It might for you and it, you know, and for me, it doesn't negate that, but rather that's maybe another answer to the question earlier of like, Oh, what does he look like? Or what does the Holy spirit do? It's those things of like, 
man, just I, I can get the bare minimum of like thinking good about myself right now, but that's enough for me to live another day. Okay. All right. Well, we can do that. And that's like the holiest work beyond like, I look like a better Christian and can, you know, give this Bible verse answer to something. Um, yeah, yeah. If you just like have a little bit of like holding on for another day, um, that's where it feels like that heaviest stuff happens. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I, I feel like there's a big difference between uh, like a, a Christian artist that is trying to uh, advertise their advertise their faith as sort of a selling point, and yeah. like a, an album that is by a musician that is Christian that is just kind of talking about their life. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, right. because because these are not all uh, ham fisted, uh, you know go to church songs. Right. Yeah. Um, and some of them, you, you know, I, I think what makes how you can tell the difference is whether or not it addresses like the human condition yeah. convincingly, if it doesn't, then, then they're trying, then it feels, it feels ingenuine. It feels like they're trying to sell you a lifestyle of some kind. And yeah. you, then that's not, people don't want that when they're listening to music, they just want to hear a cool song that that talks to that speaks to them a little bit you know totally yeah i've been working on a sort of uh a thesis about this and it's that michael w smith is the anti-carmen Ooh, there's a big <laughs> truth in that because i just never like, really got into carmen rest in peace and like i, I it, he just was never i immediately was like no no this is yeah. not my thing at all yeah, yeah. he is uh he is evil. fascinating <laughs> um yeah we, no things are true yeah <laughs> we have a long-standing <laughs> feud with carmen um slipping into darkness the uh <laughs> the, here's here's my thing is that mike they they're both Guys who are okay at singing, um, but all their songs have incredible production. Uh, yeah, the production credits on all of Carmen's stuff are out of this world, just, yeah. like, just like Michael W. Smith. Right. The difference is the amount of interest they take in the actual making of the song. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Carmen is Carmen's process is sort of he writes a song that's like, what if I was like a sexy fireman and I save a <laughs> bunch of people from a burning building? <laughs> it's these like the sort of uh, morality plays that reveal nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, what if I uh, was a boxer that had to fight the devil? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they're not they're not about him I mean they're sort of a projection of him rather than being anything from yeah, his own yeah. life and then Michael W. Smith of course gets into it um, I will be fair uh, I was not paying that close of attention to the lyrics due to how good the production was yes but he was at least uh, he was doing vocal melodies which Carmen <laughs> staunchly refused to do he's a talk singer <laughs> he's a talk singer <laughs> which means Michael W. Smith had to be involved in the actual creation of these songs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can tell, you can tell he, it's easy to buy. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I think credit wise, everything is, is Michael W. Smith and Wayne Kirkpatrick, except 
Amy Grant is on Lamu, the first track, which is uh, a writing credit, which is also badass. Just as to the badass credits in there. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm saying good job to Michael W. Smith about this album. Yeah, before we before we rate it, can we hear the actual final track, Heath? Yeah, bonus piano track. This track is called Bonus Piano Track by Michael W. Smith. Let's give it a listen. It's it's 42 Gregorian seconds long. <laughs> Okay, Snoopy is here. Mm -hmm. It's Christmas in New York City. Yeah. Weirdly does not fit the vibe at all. No. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I feel like I was in a lounge at a hotel bar for a second. Yeah. Which maybe that's a good way to come down from the record here. Like you've, you've gone through this whole journey. The energy's so high. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just going right. to get, you know, a decent Manhattan here at the bar and then go to, you know, go back to my room. But it's like, this is, yeah, it's intense. This is nice. Yeah. Hey, uh, maybe Michael W. Smith just wanted us to see him vamp. And mm -hmm. how did we know that we wanted that, you know? Exactly. It's true. It's, it's time to do a rating. Yeah. And, and it's I'm I'm heartened on Spotify. Judgment. You can all see it there. Um, yeah, I'm seeing it. It's it's time for final judgment. Um, gavel, gavel, gavel. Yeah. Uh, Dustin, are you familiar with our rating system? I'm not. I'm not. You have to refresh me. So we'll have to we we'll have to do that. We rate every album out of twelve disciples. You got to be careful though. Keep in because, mind because one of them is Judas. Yeah, I was about to say. Uh, this is, yeah. You can choose to include Judas or not include Judas, and your reasons for doing so or not doing so are entirely up to you and are yours to explain to us. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> or not explain. Or not explain to us. Wait, yeah, so, you don't have to. So I'm yeah. rating the album, right? Well, we will. We can go first. If you okay, okay. You yeah, go. yeah. I, I'm going to I'm gonna probably put this up at I'm probably going to 11 no Judas this album. Wow. Which, which Dustin is the best score. That's the heaven score. <laughs> it's the heaven score and I'm I'm giving it the heaven score because I'm I'm reminding myself of a of a specific rule that we uh sort of floated on an old episode and that's if if these songs were about Satan yeah would this be the cool would this be cool? And yeah. and yes, absolutely. It would be absolutely. One, of the, one of the coolest fucking albums. Yeah. Uh, so that's an 11 no Judas for me. Yeah. A lot of people are saying, well, but isn't 12 Disciples the best score? No, it's not because Judas would have to be one of those disciples. So 11 no Judas is the top score. And I can't think of a single reason not to echo that score. I, <laughs> I, I gotta say... Uh, this was sort of good for me front to back. You know, it. Uh, I'll say it, there were a couple songs that dragged in the middle a little bit. I'll, I'll go 10 Disciples. 10 Disciples, No Judas, still firmly placing it into the Fishers of Men Club. Yep. Uh, which is uh, our, our yep. uh, hall of fame for albums that get more than nine, nine or more Disciples, I believe. Yeah, that's the criteria. Men Club. Um, I hope... No, someone might be keeping track of that somewhere but it sure ain't us yeah but welcome to the fishers of men club 
uh, Michael W. Smith for the big picture. Uh, Dustin, how do you how do you feel like rating this album? I mean, it's it's probably not surprising that I would go, what's the best that I can rate this album? You know, in the pantheon of the very specific world of like 80s CCM pop music that I'm not ashamed to listen to, there's some that's like, ah, that didn't really age. But this is like, I'll I'll just put this on and listen to it and enjoy it and I won't think about it. Uh, Which is maybe some of the highest praise for any album of just like, you you know, thinking about music, you know, your whole life in some ways. You know, the, the moments where I can like sit and just listen to music is actually pretty rare. And a lot of musicians have the same kind of, you know, background. I mean, anybody that works around that same any kind of form of art you enjoy and you just get to like listen to it. and You don't have to think about it, talk about it, have a take yeah. like that. That's kind of where this world is. But then, you know, it naturally creeps into like, again, like young life and young musicianship. And the when I watch those videos and life set, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I want to go play my instruments again. And like just innocence you know return to the innocence like uh mm-hmm. the enigma song you know um and so that may be way over here over here no no okay. i i remember pure okay, moods good, good. for sure okay, good um <laughs> so yeah for me and it's funny that you all both said that a loving disciples no judas is the best rating because that's exactly what i was thinking i was like i'm gonna give this 11 even if it's not that's what i'm gonna do because i don't want that you know 30 pieces of silver in there to throw it yeah. off yeah although here's my twist and this is where we get real with it, too, is that in the subsequent years, you know, kind of after the main thrust of, of CCM world is that Michael W. Smith, you know, has kind of proven to be a reliably like booster for your typical Tennessee conservative politicians ah, who, are, sure. who, are, ah. who are, you know, it's kind of like you can hand wave and be like, yeah, yeah, of course. But then it's like, no, nah, real people's lives get really yeah. up because of these people. Yeah. And like is involved some stuff at Liberty University, which uh, has, ah, you yeah. know, a lot of uh, a lot of creepiness going on there. So we're here from the wall. So I give it, it, yeah. I give it 12 disciples because of the fact that there's a there's a little bit of Judas embedded in there, you know, later in the life. I don't mean to be too deep with it. No, you're right. Like music, no. music. Worth considering. Yeah. Judas, but the whole picture, the big picture, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 12. Got to include the 12, man. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Awesome. Very uh, well, um, good job, Michael W. Smith on this album. Bad job yeah. on, um, you know, um, on upholding, upholding certain ideologies and, and, you know, yeah, yeah, yada, 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 yada. Sure. Uh, that's, that stuff's all not very good. Um, so, Dustin, now's the part of the show where, yeah. um, where we find out where we can find your stuff online, how you like to be interacted with on the Plugs internet, time. et cetera. Sure. I mean, you know, I, I make music myself as young weather, um, which is just me generally with different collaborators and friends over the years. Um, you know, it, it runs a gamut of like indie rock to ambient music to the last time I put out is me reading some original poems through guitar pedals. And if any of those things sound like they'd be interesting to you, um, youngweather.bandcamp.com has got all the stuff on there. It's on iTunes. Uh, most of the stuff is on iTunes and Spotify and all those kind of places. So you can find records on there. I need to distribute a couple things on there, but uh, yeah, you can find that stuff around. Youngweather.com is also a website that I sometimes maintain. And so you can find stuff there. Uh, I'm on Twitter as... Uh, at young underscore weather um and so i think i remember that you know come find me there or instagram is uh, walrus muse uh walrus and usd so you can say hi there and 
be like, oh, your voice doesn't fit your face if you ever see my face <laughs> on there. So but yeah, yeah. I mean, and I love, you know, chatting with people and will occasionally um, indulge this kind of like uh, this kind of this kind of chat. I miss a whole lot at times, you know, so it's nice to to find ways to do that with folks uh, from but, a distance, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah wonderful. Yeah, I, I heard a couple of songs on your website, and I thought they were really good. They evoked oh. like uh, I evoked a lot of stuff I was listening to in like 2009. Uh, it was like a really nice aesthetic, you know. Nice. Yeah, um, well, it was really cool. That. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody, check out uh, Young Weather. It was uh, yeah. You're you're making some good stuff, man. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, now it's our turn to uh, to do to do that. You can find us on. Uh, Twitter at the praise down and you can find us on Instagram at the praise down. The podcast itself is available on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, 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 Apple podcasts, mm-hmm. um, uh, pod wrangler, pod wrangler, um, pod bean. That's made up. That's the cast. Yeah. <laughs> cast guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Audio getter. We're on there. We're on LimeWire premium. <laughs> talkytalk.com yeah yeah of course talkytalk.com talkie talk plus mm-hmm. yeah, high quality talkytalk yeah yeah we yeah 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 you can get flax of our of our podcast at talkie talk premium broad uh, quibby audio i'm on i'm on twitter at wise himbo i'm on twitter at serious sanchez and uh, now it's time to say thank you. Dustin, thank you for, for being on the show, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, thank you both. Uh, you know, I, this is it's tons of fun, and I, but, I'm super grateful. I'm grateful for our friends that instigate this, like mm-hmm. Jarvix and folks like that um, who are, yeah, amazing folks. And, it, you know, as soon as they kind of say, oh, you should, like, talk to these people, I'm going to be like, yeah. oh, sure. Okay, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll have to have you back sometime. Uh, you'll have to bring back another another album you're super into. Yeah. Um, so we haven't gotten into a good tooth and nail one in a while. Yeah. We may. Okay, yeah. I can. Yeah, we can go long on mm-hmm. a number of those things. <laughs> sure, so. Speaking of Jarvix, thank you, Jarvix, for our intro yeah. song. Uh, thank you to Molly Devine for talking the walk stinger. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Wampus Reynolds for our tune talk stinger. And thank you to Good Trash Media for uh, powering our show and being our friends, being nice mm-hmm. to us. Uh, and we're going to get out of here the same way we always get out of here with uh, with what that catchphrase, catch with that one catchphrase. Um, uh, when when the synth is big, play it. Play it. Bye. Bye, bye, bye everybody. everybody. <laughs> Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha.